Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're gonna have a great show. We're gonna talk about cow nutrition, we're gonna talk about water, we're gonna talk about mineral, we're gonna talk about all things to do with your cows in the summertime. We got Dr. Mark Spare here. It's gonna be a great show. Stay tuned. Folks, welcome to Doc Talk. Look who we got back. Thanks got for having me, Dr. Dan. It's <laughs> good to be back today. Hopefully I don't have any poop on my face. Well, you've been working. Yes, sir. So it's, is, it is appropriate in our line of work. <laughs> we sometimes are on the back end. That's right. That's right. That's why I keep telling our students that, you know, if you graduate from, from our classes and someone says, you don't know crap, I said, <laughs> yeah. you need to say, stop. There's, you know, I may not know a lot about a lot of things, but I do understand bovine feces quite well. We, we know a little bit about that. Yes, sir. So this is Dr. Mark Spare, DVM, PhD, um, brilliant cow-calf veterinarian nutritionist um, that is just, you're one of those that if, you, if you're looking for the Tom Brady or the, I know he's going to say, he's going to start looking away. I won't embarrass him, but this is, this is the first round draft pick right here. And um, uh, career has just taken off. And so uh, very humbled to have you here and grateful for you. Uh, let's talk about, we're going to talk, he's, he practices Ashland to Manhattan and, and well beyond. Um, but uh, here across the state of Kansas, across the Midwest and, and beyond, if it has something to do with the cow, you're more than likely to find Mark Spare involved. And so it's, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, as we tried to set this up today, we had some buckets and things we want to talk about. but. Let's start out with talking about water supply and, and, and your cow herd this summer. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, I have to say Tom Brady was not the draft one, or first round draft pick. He was the last pick in that draft. But that's, <laughs> I think his daughter wants to be a veterinarian, so she's watching. You can do it. You come on, join us sometime and, and uh, can be a, become a veterinarian. But, uh, yeah, so, so let's talk about water. And, and I think uh, we've got a number of really good tools that we can use to evaluate water. When we think about water, we think about Number one, uh, uh, if, we're, if we're in the context of spring cows, spring calving cows, and as they're lactating, their water needs are, are, are really through the roof. You know, mm -hmm. not, maybe not as much as a dairy cow on a consistent basis, but as those, as those calves are drinking more, they're producing milk to their genetic ability and their nutritional limitations, those cows are drinking a lot of water. They need a lot of water. And uh, um, so we need to make sure that they're not limited in terms of fresh water. Next, we have to think about anti-nutritional factors of that water. And, and some, some of our listeners or our watchers in the, in the North, North Dakota, um, and, and some here as we're discovering in the Southern tier of Kansas counties, uh, we might end up with some sulfate issues. Yep. And sulfate, you know, you might be able to smell that, the kind of the rotten egg smell. Uh, it, it might come in tandem with iron. It might come in tandem with some molybdenum. Uh, but some of these minerals are actually going to antagonize the absorption of our other minerals. Uh, sulfate is one that I want to bring up because when cows, uh, uh, if they're gonna go ahead and drink the water and that's gonna do its antagonism work in the body, it, it might also show up in something that we see in terms of condition. 
and, and we can actually have calves, and, and, and North Dakota State has done a, a really good job of documenting this in terms of, um, in terms of their extension, but we can have calves on cows who are forced to drink high sulfate water, who if it is not high enough to cause polio or brainers, mm -hmm. it will cause those cows to milk less. Those calves, as they drink it, will gain less, and we will actually see decreased conception, decreased body weights on both cow and calf coming off the grass. And, and we've run into this in a couple of situations in this, like I said, South Central Kansas. Uh, we've, we've been working to identify those water sources. This is a great time of year to be looking at those water sources as that, uh, uh, as that water is, is collecting, is maybe down, we're dry right now, we're gonna concentrate as many of those salts. And if you go out there and, and look at the sulfates right now, this might be a really good time of year to, to go ahead and test those in a concentrated form. We can go look at those later in June, July, and see if there's any changes that we can, that we can identify. Yep, and, and you know, good, clean, ample water supply. Uh, we got about 30 seconds, uh, blue-green algae too, right? Absolutely, it, it's, blue-green algae is kind of an odd, odd duck in terms of it might show up in places that we don't expect, and I'm not 100% able to say whether that's all due to farming runoff or if there's other nitrogen phosphorus accumulations that might occur, but that can be a real killer, and it'll get your dog too. Yep, gotta be careful with the pooch. So, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Mark Spare. We're gonna jump into some grass quality. You're watching Doc Talk. we're glad you joined us. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mark Spare, who is a DVM PhD. He's a practitioner, he's a nutritionist. Um, seeing cattle and talking nutrition uh, and production medicine uh, in herds and feeding cattle, doing a little bit of everything, aren't you? I take careful notes from you, Dr. Thompson. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> now, you get too busy, um, not that, I'm any busier than him. Now, the uh, uh, let's talk about grass quality. Yes, sir. And as we go through the summer, what are some things that you're kind of focusing on or talking to, to ranchers or, or beef producers about? Absolutely. Uh, uh, maybe we'll start with a, a case in point, and it would have been my first year out of veterinary school, and uh, uh, you know I wanted to be real confident as a as a pregnancy diagnostician. And so as we get into these cows, and I'm starting to get into some of these cows, again, we're, we're finding ourselves in the southern tier of Kansas counties, and the grass had been really good, and, and I get into this set of cows, and they're not very pregnant. And I mean not very pregnant. <laughs> and I thought, either I'm really wrong, or these cows are really open. Yeah. And, and those cows were really open. And, and come to find out, we sat on back of the pickup after we got done, and this would have been early October, and we got to thinking about when those cows had become pregnant. And we went through a pretty good period uh, of time there where those cows had become pregnant in, right after the bulls were turned in, so late May, 1st of June, and then they'd stopped getting pregnant. And then we had a couple late breads on there. And so the majority of those cattle were either pregnant early or pregnant really late, but not very many in the middle. And, and what we began to think about, we had gotten really good rain early on, and then it got really hot and dry in the middle of June all the way through July, and really hot and dry, to the point that that grass was noticeable to the rancher, that it, it, it really burned up. And then those cows, we got a couple late rains there in August, late August, and those cows started cycling again. And I can't, I can't quote a paper on this, Dr. Thompson, but I, my conjecture was that the quality of that grass had, had degraded to a point that those cows quit cycling that their lactational needs 
outpaced their their reproductive needs, and we would we'd call reproduction on the bottom of that, um, you know, nutritional uh, distribution. So 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 that's a case in point. Another case that we would have that year would have been a ranch that turned out for April breeding January calving, and that those cows were almost were so pregnant and so good looking at the time that we pregnant them, but they had all their breeding done before that grass got really burned up. And so my, my recommendation that's come from that, and, I, and we've seen it repeated over and over, not just always in southern Kansas, sometimes it's in eastern Kansas. And if we're hot and dry this year in the Flint Hills, we might have some of those issues. We could see it up in Nebraska if we're hot and dry. But my, my recommendation as we look at those is that we observe that grass quality and, and we also take the time as, as managers. And it takes time and it's hard to, to put forth that effort. But to go out and watch and see if we see that activity um, see those breedings going on, those matings going on, and if we don't really see a lot of activity, they're either really pregnant or they're not cycling. But they should be cycling if the nutrition is there, and if and if they're not pregnant, they are in that eligible pool. We, uh, you know, the other thing is when you get in those hot dry as a somewhat of a behaviorist, um, those bulls will quit. Hmm. You know, in the really hot weather, yep. if they're if they're uncomfortable. Uh, so the combination of you're losing your grass, yep. the cows are in peak, they're lactating, they're losing body condition, they're yep. not going to cycle, yep. the bulls are hot. Yeah, it can, it can really hinder that bottom line and, uh, and, it, and it, it makes for a good conversation, but a conversation I really don't like to have as, a, as your veterinarian. Well, it goes back to, you know, we got to go to break, but it also goes back to the importance of preg checking. Yeah. Because you don't want to keep those cows around all winter that aren't going to make a living for you. That's right. That's right. And we'll start to see those cyclones going on and you think, boy, you, you girls ought to, ought to have been pregnant. Yeah. And, and it might be confusing all of a sudden, as now as a clinician, as a veterinarian, get on the back end of that November, December, and what else is on your rule list? Did these cattle become pregnant and then abort? Were they ever pregnant? Did, do we have some disease going on and do we get a neighbor's bulls come in and now we have some trichomoniasis so so back to your, your comment about the importance of preg checking that helps us rule out some of those other diseases because we were confident those cattle weren't pregnant as we leave remember what he's talking about is observing don't take things for granted observe the grass the grass quality observe the behavior in the matings you just got to watch mm -hmm. if things quit things change it's not normal Houston, we got a problem. We got a problem. We're gonna take a break, we'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Dr. Mark Spare. He has a DVM and a PhD um, and is a practicing veterinarian, um, cow-calf, feedlot, uh, beef supply chain, uh, and works with both nutrition and with health and is just a somebody that is just a great friend. And uh, so when we talk about, you know, you're, you're working with people, I'm sure they come in and say, well, what kind of minerals should I put out? Yes, sir. You know, how much mineral should I put out? Yes, sir. So what, how do you, how do you, how, where do we start? Well, and, and so we start by saying, and, and I want to, as that client comes in and says, hey, what, let's talk about mineral. And, and uh, my first ad admission is, hey, we don't know all that we really want to know about all these minerals. We, we know some really good things and we need to make sure we check those boxes in your mineral. Um, we know that there's, there's minerals that cows need, but I have to just say in the back of my mind before I prescribe a mineral, 
how many out of 88 million cows in the United States, how many beef cows only get a white block, a red block, and a yellow block? And that's all they get year round. And they still get pregnant or pretty pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I don't want to go and make a recommendation that says, hey, we need to spend this mineral uh, or spend this on our mineral because it's going to get us that amount of pregnancies. Uh, so probably my first, my first conversation starter is, how much is our mineral going to cost us per head per day? And, and I know that I don't, I don't want to make it all about cost because it needs to be about quality, but that's how I think of, and, and yeah, we can think about it in terms of a per bag price, but you break down that bag, and if you have a, a four-ounce consumption mineral, you got 200 servings in that bag, so you divide that price by 200, and now you get your price per head per day, and then you carry that out on 365 days to know how much you're spending on, on a mineral in a given year. Then we're going to go talk about um, what's in that in terms of calcium level. What kind of calcium level do we need? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I recommend we, we lower a lot of phosphorus in our minerals. We, we overspend commonly on phosphorus and underspend on calcium. There's a lot of research that might be older that would have us uh, putting more phosphorus in there. And, and I find that challenging in terms of a cost and in terms of, uh, of necessity. We talked about blue-green algae. We don't need to go throw out a bunch of phosphorus out there. Uh, so then on our magnesiums, whether we're re actually grazing cool season or warm season grasses, whether we need to be high mag and even how, how high is high mag mineral. That's another question that we're going to talk about. Uh, we can put so much magnesium in there that cows don't want to eat it. And, and uh, that's, not, that's not good. We can have a really nice mineral, but if it sits there in that feeder, it doesn't do us any good. Right. Um, skipping down to some trace mineral type deals, I, I think Iowa State has done a great job of giving us some tools. I feel very comfortable recommending a trace mineral package that's made up of 20 to 25 percent of Vela 4 type minerals. Yep. So chelated minerals, not necessarily Vela 4 only, but, but chelated minerals. Uh, when we have cattle on a very nice, balanced nutritional plane year-round, we can, we can handle them with that. And, and there's some really good information that came from, uh, came from Iowa State, and I, we, won't, we won't quote it now. It's a great study, and everybody ought to go read it. Um, then we'll talk back, back to our sulfate issue. I'd really, we, we want to pressure zinc quite a bit, and our, our chelated guys are going to say, hey, put more and more and more zinc in there. But we can actually get to a point, at least on the sulfate side, which is a, a different inclusion type of mineral, that we can outcompete some other minerals. So we want to we have all that we need, but we want to stay balanced. And some of these minerals can get out there in terms yeah. of over-providing, and that can actually be a problem. Yeah, we don't want to see that. So, so one of the other questions we get about minerals is about you know, using IGR to control flies. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on IGR? So my thoughts on IGR, and I always put it to them, it's a, it's a wonderful product. It works very well. We don't have a lot of challenges with resistance, but flies don't respect the barbed wire fence. And so if our neighbors aren't using it, I'm going to recommend that we don't use it either. It's just not worth the expenditure. If we've got a bunch of neighbors that are going to do it or we've got everything on a section, you know, there's some, there's some really uh, important validity to, to that product, and it, and it can help. And if, if the economic return, economic threshold of flies per cow is 200 flies per side, we exceed that very quickly in the months of you know, late May and June and July. Uh, but if our neighbors aren't doing it, I'm, I'm going to say we better keep it at home. Perfect. So, folks, um, minerals, get with a nutritionist. Work with somebody like Mark. Uh, call Mark. Um, but but uh, get, get somebody that, that can help you with understanding so you're not overspending. Uh, and then make sure you're using products that if it, if it relates to whether your neighbor's using it or not, 
uh, and it's expensive or it is a cost center, don't do it. So Dr. Spare, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these messages. Thanks. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Mark Spare, who's a veterinarian uh, here in Kansas, uh, nutritionist, uh, cow-calf production specialist, and you know, you've done a lot of work with anaplasmosis, and so let's kind of give the, the update as we head into summer and we're thinking about anaplasmosis. What are, what are some of your thoughts? Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, in, to, be, to be honest, in, in our practice, in my practice, and the clients that we deal with, we're talking about several things right now. We're talking about whether we're going to use the vaccine or not. It comes out of Louisiana. We're talking about how often or what products we're going to use for fly control and tick control. We're talking about whether we're going to use an IGR, and we're talking about how often we're going to be feeding a medicated cake on grass and what, and what rate of cake that we're going to feed that. Again, cake prices are not all that amenable or easy to handle. That's, yep. I don't want to use a $20 word there when a $5 <laughs> word will work, but easy to handle, easy to swallow. Uh, so, so those are the four pieces that we're probably talking about right now. Um, the, the vaccine needs to be a conversation with your, your veterinarian, and, and you, need to, you need to get with your veterinarian and say, hey, here's, here's what we've seen in our cow herd. Here's what we know we've seen in the neighbor's cow herd. Is this something we need to be thinking about utilizing or not? And, and let them be a part of that and making a good decision in that. Uh, the vaccine is, uh, I'm not gonna say any vaccine is bulletproof and I'm not gonna say any vaccine is uh, uh, you know, worth breaking the bank over, but um, if, you, if you don't expect too much, it, it might be a good fit for you. Uh, when we talk about we talk about fly control and what products we're going to apply and tick control and and just remember read the label because not every fly control product controls ticks. In fact, there's very few that control both. And so, very specifically, we want to make sure that if we're applying a spray midsummer and we're worried about anaplasmosis and we're worried about getting some tick control out of that, that we want to use one one that uses both fly and, and tick control. Then we got to talk about uh, uh, whether we're going to feed a medicated cake. And, and we can feed a medicated cake. It's, it's legal, it's allowable under the VFD regulations. And, and we'll commonly balance cakes that we can feed on grass, that we, can, that we can mix in or have mixed in an appropriate amount of CTC, and we can feed that. And, and in some places, maybe we feed it for two weeks at a time, and in some places it's a week, in some places it might be a month. And you need to, you need to understand it. it might be different fall cows versus spring cows. And it might be different if there's a calf present or not. So all those things, I think I would encourage uh, everybody to have a conversation with their veterinarian to, to examine their risk level, their risk aversion, and then what tools are out there and are available to manage the risk uh, of transmission of, of anaplasmosis within their herd. So some big ticket items, water quality, grass quality, watch your cows, make sure we have normal behavior as both of those relate, mineral, to help fine tune and, uh, and, uh, and, and do that. And then you never even think about cake, fly control, and all that being tied into the nutritional process. We, you know, we tend to put things in buckets, right? Mm. Bet buckets or nutrition buckets. Yep. What you're showing me is so cool that there are no buckets. It's all related. Yeah. It, it, which makes it a challenge. It makes for some late night conversation with your veterinarian, but it can be very fruitful in terms of getting ahead of some of these issues and, and having some of these tools. Have your spreadsheet made out. Hey, this pasture, we're going to feed this much systems. Here's all of our water sources, and here's the test, and here's what time of year they were taken. And uh, 
get those tools put together. Those that data is a tool just the same as um, as the ultrasound that I use when we ultrasound heifers. Wealth of information. I promise we'll have him back. Um, Dr. Mark Sparrow, thank you so much. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to know more about what we do at Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Mark Spare, and we'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals.